Hello, this is Pastor Stacy Spencer, and you are on the Inside Out Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know it's been a while since we've been back together. Uh, had to take a little break. Uh, COVID made me take a break. Uh, this pandemic made me take a break. But the Lord has restored me, and I'm grateful for it. And I pray that you and your family are doing well, even as you're tuning into this podcast. This month, we're going to take time to tackle the subject of relational evangelism. And we're calling it Let's Talk. You know, they say there's three things that you can't talk about with people in public, and that's sex, politics, and religion. Uh, it becomes a little awkward and uncomfortable for a lot of people to breach those subjects, but I want to debunk that myth today that we cannot share our faith with our friends and still remain friends. We can. It's important that if we love our friends that we share the good news. And so we have with us today... Um, Craig Springer, who is going to help us to tackle this because he's written a book about it called Reviving Evangelism. And we both know, Craig, that that word evangelism and evangelicals have taken a bad hit because of the association with racist rhetoric from the extreme right. How do we revive or recover evangelism, which means good news with all of the bad PR that's been attached to it? Yeah, thanks, Stacy. I'm so glad to be with you. You know, I love you and love to spend time chatting together too. And for your listeners, um, the book the book is How to Revive Evangelism, which was built off of um, data that we collected with the Barna organization in a study called Reviving Evangelism. So all kinds of reviving, all kinds of evangelism there. But um, and I think we'll probably take this conversation a number of different angles, but sort of at the top, we did through this massive study, Reviving Evangelism with Barna, found one of the top factors non-Christians in America report would cause them to be more open to faith is if Christianity had a better reputation. Yeah. And I think that's what you're getting at yeah. in this first discussion angle of the reputation of evangelicals uh, and certainly even of evangelism and and the sort of popularization and nationalism, the sort of complicity of evangelicals towards sort of power grabs, white privilege, and racism, et cetera, et cetera. So people who don't know Jesus look at all that and say, why in the world would I ever want right. to get involved? Not only do I think that you're treating this world with aggression and extremism, you can't even get along in your own family. Mm. So the concept of reputation is critical, and I mm. think it's both individual and communal. Um, and so one of the chapters in How to Revive Evangelism, we dive in deep, is that we need to shift from focusing on the facts alone of our faith, and we need a massive investment in expressing and living the fruit of our faith. We need to be fruitful, not just factual. Yeah. And when we think of evangelism, we often think, I've got to get the facts across. I've got to staple these facts about Jesus into someone's brain, get them to sign on the Apostles' Creed, and boom, move on. But go ahead. I want I want to stop you because I'm, I'm trying to teach from your book. Uh, and 
one of the things I was wrestling with was that phrase you just used, we need to be fruitful, not just factual. Can you break that down a little bit more? What does that mean? Yeah, yeah well, it's, key. it's important to say I'm not, I'm not saying we shouldn't be factual or we shouldn't care about transferring the facts of our faith. Um, it's just that maybe for the past 40, 50 years, our emphasis has been almost solely on the facts of our mm. faith. Why does, the, why does the world not know us by the fruit of our faith? Mm. Fruit of our faith, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. When people think of evangelicals and evangelism, that's what I want people to think of. That's what I want to live. Right, right. And and I think as well, when we collectively invest in fruitful works of our faith, not only does it just do good in the world, when we invest in... Um, alleviating poverty, when we invest in equity across, um, you know, the ethnic spectrum, when we invest in lifting up those who've been neglected or abused or mistreated, like we show the fruit of our faith. That's evangelism. Now, it's not enough. It's just one of the shifts. We, we do need to use our words, but we've got to reclaim fruitfulness. Yes. And I think as well, our friends will look at us. You know, I have a live in downtown Denver. We have a gay married couple as our next door neighbors with adopted kids and they love us. Mm. We love them. Now we, we haven't gotten into, you know, deep argumentative factual discussions about lifestyle and sexuality, but man, they'll call us anytime. We'll hang out with them. They can see the fruit of our faith. Now, again, I'm not suggesting that we live solely by the mantra, let your life speak. The problem is we haven't been letting our life speak enough. Yeah. You're right. You're right. We People haven't seen our fruit. <clears throat> They've seen a lot of artificial fruit uh, in the last couple of years in terms of the rhetoric and the nationalism, as you said. And it's, it's so important that we get back to bearing fruit, showing people the result of our transformation, the result of us having faith. Um, yeah. And millennials, from what I was reading in Barna's book, they are more apt to have a conversation or dialogue with their friends, but they don't want to come across as trying to judge judge their friends or to or to berate their friends, but they have a conversation. What what differences do you see with this new generation versus the Xers and the Boomers in terms of how they approach evangelism? Yeah, well, one primary difference is that culture around us has shifted. I mean, it, it is, as you said, we are living now in a culture where disagreement equals judgment. Hmm. Everyone's polarizing into their echo chambers. Everyone's losing the ability to graciously dialogue and respect one another hmm. and, you know, throwing verbal hand grenades and, and all the rest. So a savvy millennial or Gen Z or Christian recognizes the moment I insert something that creates a level of disagreement, it's just, you know, no more friendship. So, so off many will say, I'm just not going to do it. But the question is, well, how do we do it? Well, and actually millennial Christians are cracking the code um, of what's working. And it is a, rewind back to the way of Jesus mm. and no surprise 
Jesus asked 307 questions. He was asked 183 questions, and he only directly answers eight questions in the Gospels. Mm. You can sit with that for a second and start doing the math. 40 times more likely to draw someone out in conversation than he is to pick up the hammer of direct proclamation. Mm. Did Jesus proclaim the truth? Yes. Uh, is Romans 10, 14 true? How will they hear unless someone tells them? Yes. But have we asked 40 times more questions than we've tried to get the facts and proclaim the truth across? I think that is the number one to distill it down to anything. How can we effectively um, share our faith in a post-Christian, sort of post-truth, post-everything culture where disagreement equals judgment? Number one, listen. Mm. It, it, listening conversation creates space, tears down walls, lowers barriers, creates a sense of belonging before belief. Mm. Um, conversation can lead when the soil is right to proclamation, which can lead to revelation. We've just been sitting on that side of the equation of proclamation, revelation, proclamation, revelation. We forgot actually Jesus spent 40 times more space in the conversation side of that equation. Man, that's so good. So we need more conversation than proclamation. And Jesus heard about, you said 183 questions? Yeah, he, he asked 370, was asked 183, directly answers eight. I, I was reading the other day that, come, as, as we talk about people's reluctance to share their faith, you compound that with the pandemic. Because I was, watch, I was reading an article that said, that many people are suffering anxiety thinking about returning back to a social space where they interact with people face-to-face -face. because we've been on Zoom and FaceTime, haven't been in each other's spaces, and a lot of people are uncomfortable. And one of the things that the author said, who was a psychiatrist, was that if you feel intimidating having a conversation, Start with asking questions. And I said, wow, that sounds like alpha, you know, where where you reach people by allowing them space to ask questions. So can you tell us a little bit about alpha and how it works into helping to revive evangelism? Yeah, I would love to. And let me give just a couple other thoughts leading into that. Yeah. Um, Professor David Augsburger says that being heard um, mm. to the average person is experienced as love such that they're indistinguishable. Mm. And I know that's true in my marriage and with my kids. Mm. You know, when I spend time to truly hear someone rather than trying to get my agenda, trying to get my point across, trying to prove myself, um, it just lowers all the walls. It communicates love. And people need spaces where they're heard so that they'll feel love as well as belonging. And when you look at the structure of our church, church strategies and evangelism strategies, often, again, it's built primarily around a proclamation opportunity. Come to my space, mm -hmm. hear me or the preacher, mm -hmm. and then make a decision. Or come to my Starbucks table where I'm going to pull out this napkin and proclaim to you and tell you again, it, 
we will get to that place of proclamation, but we have so much work. We have to create spaces of conversation, which, which creates spaces of belonging. Mm. And that's what Alpha does, to your point. Um, it invites people into group settings. And that's often, you know, people feel like, okay, I can, I can live out the fruit of my faith, and I can learn how to ask good questions. But there's got to be more, right? Um, do I then just bring them to church so that they can ultimately hear when their sort of heart is tilled? Yeah, absolutely. If that'll work for people, it's just that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in our cities refuse to step foot in our church. What will they step foot into? Well, that's where Alpha it creates a new front door for um, average believers to invite a friend, average believers who probably don't feel like I'm an evangelist or I'm not an extrovert, just say, hey, come to dinner. Mm-hmm. We're going to watch this documentary film about life and faith. And then we're going to have a conversation where you get to share your point of view you get to voice your questions and your disagreements and no one's going to correct you. Yeah. And the, the film content guides people through the proclamation of the truth of Jesus, you know, died, buried, resurrected, substitution atonement. Um, but the conversation space is a place of listening and belonging for people. And you realize it's, it's layers of an onion, you know, on the heart and the mind and the soul that people just need enough time to think things through, to be heard, to feel their love, the defenses come down, and ultimately many say yes to Jesus in this sort of 10-week con- uh, process, this conversation series that we host. When, I, when you invited me to London to see Alpha firsthand, I was blown away to come into a traditional church setting, but the setup didn't look like a traditional church setting. There were round tables and there was food there were chairs and circles uh and there was just this buzz of people gathering together sharing food music was playing um and then later to learn that the majority of those people in there were not believers they were people there asking questions and it just blew my mind like we we have we haven't really done church right um jesus made people comfortable he, he went to their space. He, he created spaces for conversation, like the woman at the well. <clears throat> he came to her space and, and, and asked her questions, and she asked him questions. But we don't oftentimes carve out spaces where people can come feel comfortable. I love how Alpha does that. Um, what is the, the statement that, that, that says something about asking questions is a better way to reach people than through proclamation. What I forgot how uh, that's... conversation, not just proclamation. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that we that we given the cultural shifts, the reputation of the church, baggage that people carry, um, you know, maybe in sort of a, a boomer era, the last fifty years or so of of primary evangelism ministry, we've been reclaiming the seed of the gospel that was planted in really a much more Christianized culture. Um, and the reputation of the church was much more acceptable widely and people would be willing to show up to our, you know, revival meetings or our Sunday services. But now, you know, increasingly culture has said, no, the church is extremist. Um, I'm not even going to come and listen to you. Come, creating a space of belonging conversation is really the only way uh, that we're going to reach some. Not everyone. Let's keep proclaiming. 
keep doing Sunday service, keep doing revival, whatever. But we're going to miss increasingly post-Christian demographics of people if we don't create a space for belonging. And, and we have to get back to, you know, what are the true felt needs that people are carrying that they're aware of who don't know Jesus? Mm-hmm. Is it, I need to know the truth or not? I would argue that's not the primary felt need. And there's a lot of data that show this. The, the primary felt needs today are, um, I would love a place of belonging. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to know what wholeness looks like. Because mm-hmm. this is broken. I'm broken. This world's broken. And and so when we think about our evangelism strategy, individually or collectively, we do need to add, not replace, you know, Sunday gatherings and all that stuff, not replace personal um evangelism or track sharing but add to that here's a place where you can belong you can bring your questions you can learn what this journey from brokenness to wholeness looks like in relationship with christians and with and with christ and that's what alpha creates and scales out and i know at new direction you guys are going after that headlong and we're exciting and, and yeah the fruit of that is that example that you talked about in london thousands annually of 20-somethings and 30-somethings with zero background uh, within the Christian faith and or hostility towards because of some reason are coming and saying, yeah, I would love to watch a compelling film, have a meal, and have a chat and not be lambasted. And, you know, even Jesus said um, in the parable of the wedding banquet, he told his servants, he said, go compel them to come in. To mm. your point, it should be compelling. Mm. It should be a feast. Mm. It should be a party that is, is compelling. And we can make these compelling invitations. Come have an awesome meal. Have a place of belonging. Share your thoughts. Yeah. And let the Holy Spirit do the work of conversion during that process. I love that too, Alpha. You know, they have a statement that says that unless the uh, Alpha is set up to fail, unless the Holy Spirit shows up. And a lot of the heavy lifting the Holy Spirit can do uh, if we just get out of the way and listen and allow people to ask questions. The old model, I think, of evangelism was an evangelist going out and preaching from a platform or somebody walking up to you, handing a track or like uh, Aunt Esther on on, uh, Sanford and Son, you know, people uh, judging people and hitting them over the head with the Bible. But this model that Alpha presents is one of fellowship of uh, relationship of listening to people and allowing people that space to ask questions i think it takes so much intimidation off of us sharing our faith if you were to talk to an average person who has never shared their faith because i think your statistics said that 47 percent of americans have never shared their faith uh, with their friend in a year if you were talking to an average person what how would you encourage them to share their faith. And first of all, why is it important for them to share their faith? Yeah, because that's our mission, the Great Commission. Go, make disciples. And Jesus says, I'm sending you as my witnesses to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. I mean, we have, I just got my COVID vaccine today. Mm. We have the vaccine Mm. for the pandemic, Mm. the pandemic of loneliness and brokenness and despair and would we dare not share it with those who need it? I just, I can't comprehend that. And, the, and, I, and I believe every 
Christian longs to share the vaccine, the truth of the gospel. You know, uh, you, you're, that's a powerful analogy, what you just used, because I was in a gas station here in Memphis, and uh, it was right at the beginning when the pandemic hit, and there was a, a gentleman walking around with no, without a mask. And there was an elderly woman who had a mask on, and she said, you don't have a mask on. And the guy replied, God's got me. And I wrestled with that. And, and the, the thing that the Lord revealed to me was, he said, if that person had, if that man had the right spirit, he would realize that wearing a mask, getting vaccinated, is not just for him. Yes, I have him, but it's, it's honoring your neighbor. You know, Amen. you want the best for your neighbor. And I think when we who have experienced Jesus Christ and the transformation that he brings, the healing that he brings, the joy that he brings, we wouldn't be good neighbors not to share that there's a vaccination for our broken hearts and our yeah. depression and our depravity. There is a vaccination for that. And I think that the gospel is that. You know, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. But it's been intimidating at best for some people to lift them up. Is yeah. there anything else you would share with our listeners? Yeah, I mean, that's that's why we share. I think, you know, well, we found in our data only about 4% of churchgoers have the spiritual gift of evangelism in their top three. Only 4%? 4%. Wow. Now, every pastor is thinking... No wonder. Wow. Ninety-six percent don't. Mm. And does that mean that we're not called to evangelize? Well, I don't have the spiritual gift of intercessory prayer, but Lord knows I'm called towards intercessory prayer. And so mm. we do not have the supernatural, unique gifting. We may not have the temperament of an extrovert and think, oh, I can't do it. We may have had some bad experiences and said, no, not for me anymore. But the fact is, um, number one, we all love to eat. Yep. And we all love to have friends. Amen to and that. So we can start there. <laughs> Cook some meals, make some meals, you know, host something. This is why Alpha is really helpful. Um, it's been online for a while, but of course we'll get back in person and can you invite someone? Can you build up enough of a friendship to the point that you can invite someone to a great meal? Yeah. Well, that's a, that can be evangelism. That's that's sort of this concept I shared in the How to Revive Evangelism book. Let's shift to we, not just me. We can do this as a group. We can do it in community. We can do it over meals. And we let the the film series do the heavy lifting of of compelling presentation of the gospel that really can um, be understandable and approachable to a someone in a non-Christian, post-Christian background. And we can listen. We can we can learn the simplest mm. evangelism tool possible, three words of tell me more. Yeah, yeah. Tell me more. I'd love to hear more. I'd love to hear more of your story. I'd love to hear more of where that perspective came from for you. Tell me more of the experience you've had with the church. Tell me more. Let people draw them out. And then the context of something like Alpha, where there is a content flow that you can you can depend on. They're going to hear the gospel. They're going to be invited to prayer. And you can eat, build a friendship, and say things like, tell me more, and be blown away that God will lead people to Jesus, and then just do it again and again and again. You just made it easy for so many people who don't fall into the 
slot of extrovert or evangelist when you said that only 4% have that gift. But what we all have the gift of doing is listening, right? We can, we can be good listeners and, and really find out. I think Paul said, don't just, don't just look out for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others. And we can't find out the interests of others if we're not asking, allowing them to ask questions. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I praise God for, for you and for Alpha and for this book on how to revive evangelism. How do we, how do we get your book? Yeah, I think just go to Amazon, you know, type in how to revive evangelism, or I do have a website, how to revive evangelism.com and share some of the shifts that we've been talking about. There's a handful of other shifts and just some powerful stories of how God has used these shifts to lead people to Jesus. And lastly, what would you say to people who may not have alpha to, to lean on in their church or in their city, but they heard you today say it's important to go share your faith practically speaking what would you tell that person look at who's in your life you know begin praying for them i mean it is true not just about alpha but it should be true about evangelism across the board whatever we do should be designed to fail unless god shows up so Mm. a lot of the work of evangelism begins on our knees pray i i know for some seasons of my life i stopped asking God to use me because I was too afraid mm. uh, for whatever reason in, in terms of a certain relationship, a friendship, and particularly with my dad, actually, but, you know, 20 year challenging life journey where in that season, I realized I stopped asking the Lord, not just to transform my dad. Cause I had 20 years. I saw no change and it was a lot of challenge, but I stopped asking the Lord to use me in that relationship. And so that, that could be some, if we want something to change out there, sometimes it has to start in here first um, for the Lord to begin working with us. That's what we believe by Jesus asks people like blind Bartimaeus, what would you have me do? Mm. How can I help you? What do you want? Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to rekindle hope. Mm-hmm. With God, all things are possible. Some of those who are listening just need that simple rekindle hope. Begin praying again that God would use you and look for friendships. I think sometimes we have to get honest with ourselves and say, I've let myself drift into a Christian bubble mm. and um, no non-Christians are around me who want to know. Well, then we have to change whom we're around. Mm. Uh, I'm not trying to be shame, shameful, but is it instead of sort of like maybe some of you exercise and work on your own, maybe it's, maybe join a group-based exercise class that you can start meeting people or, you know, um, take longer walks around the neighborhood or, you know, through the apartment hallways or whatever, but just start being built friendships to the point. Don't hide your faith, but don't bring the hammer proclamation, build friendships point. You can eat. Jesus did more ministry around a table than a temple. I love it. And you can listen, ask questions and then find that space for an invitation. If it's to an alpha, we do have them online now, and so really, geographically, anyone can plug in. Yeah, that's what um, I was... it is to a, a compelling church service, or maybe simply it's to, if the curiosity is there enough after listening, hey, would you be open to reading a few chapters from the book of John with me? Right. I want to hear your thoughts. I'm not going to correct you. I'm not going to change what you're thinking, but maybe we could just, over the next three weeks, read a few chapters of the book of John and share your thoughts. You can kind of recreate the spirit of Alpha with your own sort of meal-based conversation series just by using the book of John. 
can you define evangelism in a way that the average person gets it? It's so spooky. How do you how do you despook evangelism? How do you define it? Yeah, I think what happens in Christians' brains when we hear the word evangelism is we imagine the different methodologies of how we share our faith. And some of them, many of them have gone wrong or no longer are really useful. I mean, I would define evangelism as sharing our faith, you know, yeah. pure and simple. But then when we picture the approaches of people, do we picture someone on a park bench screaming like, life without God is like an unsharpened pencil. There's just no point. You know, turn or burn, glory, hallelujah, right. amen. I mean, right. that, that is, it's the concept. When we can define a methodology of evangelism that is listen, build a friendship, create belonging for that person in your life and in your community, give them space and time to be heard, and slowly introduce them to the loving good news of Jesus Christ, you know, through scripture, through Alpha, whatever, um, and let them make a decision and keep them in a place of love and belonging, no matter what they choose then, because who, who knows what will happen after that. So it is sharing our faith, but how we do it, can adjust great stuff thank you man you 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 gave us a very comprehensive um podcast today i think people are going to be blessed by it and uh, again i appreciate you i'm gonna call you later because I'm, I'm trying to work on a book and uh, i want to see if you can help me get it out uh it's, Love called, it. it's called finding finding my voice again and i'm mm -hmm. talking about last year when i lost when i had surgery on my vocal cords and couldn't talk for a while um, but I realized during the recovery process that I lost my voice way before surgery. Craig Springer, thank you today for sharing such a wealth of knowledge around how we recover, rescue the good news, or better yet, uh, a.k.a. evangelism. So I, I appreciate you, and I, I thank God for your witness. I thank God for the witness of Alpha that is doing an incredible work, not just in the United States, but around the world. So thank you, my brother, for taking the time to be with us today. Love it. Thank you, Stacey, so much. Listen, you guys, I want you to share this podcast with your friends and your family. If this has been a blessing to you, go to Spotify, Apple, all of the different uh, podcast platforms. We're there, and I want you to share. And if this blessed you, please write a review to let other people know what you gleaned from this session. Again, we thank you for tuning in today and then stay tuned next week because we're going to talk some more about how we can share our faith without being intimidated. All right, have a great day and I'll see you soon.